Thanks for joining us for today's sermon on the Brick Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Jared Callahan. I'm the lead pastor here at the Brick, and we're so excited that you're going to check out today's message. Our prayer is that each week the message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you connect to God, maybe in a brand new way. We also pray that you connect with us as a community, that it doesn't stop just with your connection with God, but it gives you an opportunity to connect with the people at the Brick Church. So don't hesitate to reach out. Let's jump into today's message. Today we are back on a series that we've been doing um, this year periodically called Back to John, and I'm excited to see what God does. But before we get into that, let me give you a brief recap because we've had At the Movies, which was a big deal, and God showed up. I don't know if you're here for At the Movies, but um, he showed up, and people's lives were changed, and the church um, is better for it. But more than that, the reason the church is better for it is because people are better for it, and the church is made up of people, and they are better for it. But the last time we were in Back to John, we were in John chapter 8, and I'm going to start in 12, but let's just back up to 11. There was a lady, and she's known in Scripture, which I, I bet she wished she wasn't known for this, but she's known in Scripture for being the lady that was caught in adultery. And you can imagine the guilt and shame being caught in that act. And there were a group of people back then, and their name were the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, they felt like it was their job to keep God's law, or in other words, keep what they believed their interpretation of God's law was. Well, in their interpretation of God's law, if a lady was caught in adultery, then they were able to stone her or grab rocks, set her in front, and just throw rocks at her until she's dead. How horrible is that? I mean, it's, it's really bad. Um, uh, and so they were fixing to do that. And they caught her in adultery, and they probably set her up, and they're fixing to throw rocks, and they're fixing to hit her. And then Jesus hits the scene. And praise God for every time in her life and in our lives when Jesus has hit the scene. You, there's time, we don't even know how many times he's hit the scene, but we are definitely better people because Jesus hits the scene. And Jesus hits the scene, and I'm paraphrasing um, just so we can speed up a little bit. And he looks at him, and he says, okay, you plan on throwing these rocks at this lady, the first person um, in this group who has actually never sinned, never messed up, and never missed it. Um, you go ahead and grab that rock, and you throw a fastball at this lady. And they begin to contemplate. And, of course, if we're aware of anything as human beings, oftentimes, to our fault even, we're aware of our own sin. And they're all aware of them. Scripture says they leave one by one with their head down, one by one. And Jesus comes to this lady, and he says, Lady, where are those that condemn you? She said, They left. And he says, Well, then I don't condemn you either. The only person who was qualified to throw a stone made sure that no one threw one that day. And that's the Jesus we serve. And that's what we got us to John chapter 8, verse 12. And this is the next time, this is the next time, that you see Jesus talking to the same group. It's only one verse away, but there's definitely some time that went by. So uh, here's one I want you to know, actually, uh, about that story. And this really stood out to me. Uh, and if you're taking notes, we'll put it on the screen. Is that the Pharisees, this group of men, um, they would destroy a person to keep a rule. Jesus would confront a rule to restore a person. Man, he's just that good. And I want to put that up there because when we get into this next verse, we're thinking about it in this light. Um, let's read it. John uh, chapter 8, 12. Then Jesus said, I am light to the world, and those who embrace me will experience life-giving light, and they will never walk in darkness. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you that um, you are it and we want it. Father, you have what we need, and we look to you today for help. Lord, we want to see you clear. We want to see your son Jesus in a new way, in a better way. And we're asking for your help to help us see him that way today. And we're believing for all the people that you're going to reach. And we trust you with it in Jesus' name. Amen. So scripture talks about time and time again. 
how Jesus would know the intention of somebody's heart when he was talking to them. It also says that he would know their thoughts, like he would know what they were thinking. And sometimes I don't want to know what people are thinking, to be honest with you. Like, I think I would just be crazy out of my mind if I knew it. But Jesus would know what people were thinking. So you've got these Pharisees who he just told them, hey, if you don't have any sin, cast the first stone. And then they come, and he knows what they're thinking. I believe that he tells them that he is the light of the world. If you'll put that scripture back on the screen, he is the light of the world um, because they're wondering with what authority can he say the, do the things he's doing. He said, listen, I am the light of the world. I came down here to light this thing up. And it says, and those who embrace me will experience life-giving light, and they will never walk in darkness. Today I want to talk about what it means to actually embrace Jesus. You know, around here, and we're never going to back off of this, but around here it is a big deal to us to push you to serve and to give of yourselves to help other people because we believe that is the gospel and we're not going to back up because we believe that that's what God wants from us for us to go out and us for us to be light for us to love and for us to care and when you came in I guarantee you somebody loved on you and when they come in at 10 they're going to do the same thing and 11 30 the same thing and week after week after week we are going to go out of our way to make sure people feel the love of God and we want to serve them because we know that that is what God has called us to do but that is what we do for God but if we want to back it up and get real elementary there's something that should actually happen before we go and do that for God that we should actually embrace God. So today I want to talk about a little bit about what it means that for you to have a personal relationship with God, one to where you encounter Him, not just on Sundays. You know they say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I've never been, so I'm not for sure if that's true. But what happens on Sunday is not supposed to stay on Sunday. It's supposed to go out through the week. And then as Christ followers, we should have a relationship with Jesus that actually feeds all of the things that he has asked us to do. If we're going to go out and do the things he's asked us to do, we're skipping the most vital step if we don't have time set apart to where we actually have time to encounter Jesus, like actually feel God. It's crazy, and it's an ethereal thing to think that outside of Sunday, without any music, without any preaching, you can actually feel God. No, it's not ethereal. It's real. That's what he wants for us. He wants to fill us up throughout the week to where we can feel God, to where when someone asks us about him, we don't know it all, but the things that we do know, we know because we checked in with him, and he told us, and he showed us. And when he told me personally, and he showed me personally, and it confirmed what I was already hearing on Sunday, or already hearing at a Brit group, or already hearing at Switch, or my kids were already hearing in Live Kids, it's confirming what we're already hearing, but he wants to tell you personally, and we have to give him margin to tell us personally. We need to encounter God so that when it comes to being the light, we've got something to say from experience. Like we don't have to look it up. We've got something to say from experience. My neighbor, he's an older gentleman, he called me the other day. He said, neighbor, like that. And I was like, <laughs> neighbor? And, uh, and my phone cut out for a little bit. And what I thought he said was, do you want any watermelons? And he kept talking. And I was like, yes, 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 we do, yes. And because uh, we did. And then he was like, well, when can you come over? I was like, you tell me. He was like, yeah, because um, I just don't know how to tell when they're ripe. So if you'll come over here and tell me when they're ripe, that will really help me out. When the phone cut out, he didn't ask me if I wanted a watermelon. He had asked me if I knew how to tell when watermelons were ripe. <laughs> and I didn't hear it. And then I didn't lie to him, but I, I didn't correct him either. And I thought, he doesn't really want me to do that. Uh, so then he texted me uh, two days ago. He was like, are you ever going to make it over here? 
to tell me if my watermelons are ripe. I'm not a farmer. I have no idea when, if they're big, they're ripe. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. So I get online. And I'm like, how to tell when watermelons are ripe? And it gave me all this stuff about if the color is this or that. And I was like, ah, I'm not going to remember all that. And then it says, if you slap them and it sounds a certain way, then they're ripe. And I was like, I could do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that I can do that. So I go over there. And I'm looking, and I'm, like, looking at him, and he's like, so uh, where did you learn to do this <laughs> and everything? And I was like, oh, I just picked it up here and there. <laughs> like, I just, I just picked it up. So there I am. Just, he's like, well, which ones are you going to start with? And my head said the big ones. So I just walked to the big ones. And I'm not lying. I got down there, and I grabbed them, and I'm feeling on these water. I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, and I just start slapping the watermelons. <laughs> and I'm just like, like that. He's like, is that one ready? And I was like, I don't think less of me, but I'm just guessing at this point. And I, and I really did. I'm like, mm. <laughs> mm, I'm not for sure if that one's ready. So he comes down, and he puts a question mark on it, right? And I'm like, oh, no, he's going to remember which ones I'm talking about. So finally I get the one, I'm like, surely one of these has to be ripe. It was the biggest one. So I slap it real hard, right? And I'm like, that, that's, I think that's what we're looking for, you know, and in my head. And I feel on it a little while, and I'm like, I think this is the one. So he goes and he puts okay on that thing. And I go back home, and my wife, Haley, she's like, you didn't do that. I was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> I really did. I just did all of that. Um, uh, and then uh, he texted me yesterday, and he was like, that watermelon was disgusting, bro. <laughs> he was like, that thing was horrible. It was not ready at all. I hadn't wrote him back. Like, I don't know what to say. He's my neighbor. We're going to run into each other, but it's going to be a little while um, <laughs> before we do for sure. Uh, and I had no idea what I was doing, and I was just kind of going with it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I told that long, silly story to let you know is that that's not what God wants for you. He does not want you to have no idea what you're doing. He doesn't want you to just talk about what you heard. He doesn't want you just to share what you looked up about him. He doesn't want you to share what you saw someone else about him. He, he doesn't want you to figure it out on the way. He wants you to spend time with him. So when it comes time to being the light, you have embraced the light of the world first. You have made time to where you've encountered and felt him and know him on a deeper level than just what you get on Sunday. Because you came and you came here and you got enticed by something that was him and you went out and you walked it out on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And again, we're always going to push serve, serve, give of yourself for other people because that's who we are as a church and we believe that's when you're at your best. But we rewind it. It starts with you first giving yourself to him. You got to give yourself to him. You got to, man. It's just it's the way it goes. And anything he's asked of you is for you. So the church I grew up in, like, uh, they just expected you to get this without any questions. Good people. Good people. But if you were inquisitive, you were kind of, they kept you right here. Because it's just what we do. We just, we just pray. We just study. Why don't you get that? Because I, I don't know. I just don't get it. Because I'm analytical, and I need a little bit more. Like, walk me through some steps if you don't mind. Steps. Just trust God. I want to trust God. I mean it. 
Like, I, I'm asking questions because I want to trust God. And they want me just to run the plays that are in front of me. And good, good people. But they didn't want to ever take time to explain how you got to where they were. They just wanted you to jump right in the pool and just learn to swim in the deep end. And you don't, you don't really do that really well. You know what I'm saying? I, we were at a pool party yesterday, and my youngest boy, he's five, and he's learning how to swim. And he goes off there, and he swims real slow. And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, are you... Are you out of breath or what's going on? Because I mean, I don't want him, you know, to go under, right? Like, I don't, and I'm sitting on the edge of the pool and I got anxiety kicking in. And I'm like, I'll dive in in my clothes. I'm having a mental dialogue. I'm like, I'll dive in with my phone in my pocket. Like, what would I do to get that boy out of that water? I will definitely dive in. And he's good the whole time. But you know how he got good in the deep end? Not that he's good in the deep end yet. But you know how he got good? It's because we didn't throw him in the deep end first. We didn't just like, hey, Ro, guess what? Sink or swim. People did learn to swim that way, and they're afraid of the water. We don't want anybody afraid of Jesus because we just expected them to grab a hold of a culture that doesn't make any sense to them when there are people that are praying out loud, and they've never prayed one day in their life, and they're raising their hands, and they've never even been in a worship experience. Don't not pray out loud. Don't not raise your hands. But let's have an encounter with Jesus that's so heavy that we get his heart, too, and his heart says, let's make it plain for somebody. And I'm analytical, and I don't understand these things. And there's people excited, and they're jumping and stuff like this. And they said, the pastor, when I went there the first time, he's like, everybody in here, raise your hands. I didn't raise my hands because I was in school and you had to raise your hands in school. And I didn't want to raise my hands in church because you raised your hands in school. I didn't know he was saying that raising your hands is an act of surrender when you're stepping out in faith and saying, I'm surrendering my life at another level to you, Jesus. I didn't know that's what it meant. And if we don't spend time with Jesus, first, we won't catch it ourselves. And I'm about to explain how we catch it. But second, we won't catch the heart that slows us down enough to walk people through the shallow end so they can get to the deep. And if they never get to the deep, they're in the pool. If they never, they got their toe in the water, they're in the pool. Come on now, if they're sitting around, they haven't jumped in yet. They're close to the pool. We say it all the time around here. We want this to be a place you can belong before you believe. If they're a quarter mile away, peeking around the tree, but they're looking at people in the pool, they're staring at the pool, we're good with it. We just want the pool, Jesus, to be the focus. And wherever your proximity is with him, we don't want to condemn you. We don't want you to feel any kind of way. We just want to embrace the light personally well enough to where when we come out here, not in our own efforts, but we shine for him because we spend time with him. And then you just want to just get a little closer to the pool. You just want to get a little bit closer to the pool. You want to get a little bit closer to the pool. I'm about to get out of this light. But you want to get a little bit closer to the pool. And you just want to nudge. And you want to nudge and get closer and closer and closer. And here's the deal. The people that have been around the pool long enough, we don't want you to be so busy lifeguarding in the pool that you no longer enjoy the pool. We want you to get in the pool. Just to be like, I love Jesus. He's that good. Is it time to swim? Yes, it is. How come? Because it's Sunday? No, because it's a day. It's just a day, and it's time to spend some time with Jesus. It's some time to encounter him. And that scripture says this, those that will embrace him, oh, I love this part, in them there will be no darkness. No darkness in them. Praise God. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens on Sunday is not supposed to stay on Sunday. This is supposed to be where we come and we get the energy we need to go and continue to be who we've already decided to be. Where we continue to be who we've already decided to be. And here's the deal. 
when we talk about going to embrace God or to be with God, I get why that's hard sometimes. Because, again, I'm analytical. Like, I want step one, two, and three because I want it to make sense. Like I do, I want it to make sense. But the gospel wasn't given to us to make sense. It was given to us to make faith. And there's two different things. Because if it made sense, then we wouldn't need him to walk us through it anymore. If it made sense, we wouldn't need him to show up in the miraculous anymore. If it made sense, we wouldn't need him to be as big as he is anymore. And he is not going to shrink himself down so that we can understand it. Um, a matter of fact, uh, he, he's not going to make adjustments for our comfort. He's just not going to do it. He's not going to do it. The gospel wasn't built to make sense. Here's when the gospel makes sense. Here's when walking with Jesus makes sense. After you do it by faith. When you say, okay, for five minutes a day, I'm going to pray to a God that I cannot see. And you do that over a period of time. And I don't have the algorithm for how it settles in on you. But you just start noticing you're different. And you start noticing you're better. And you start noticing there's more peace in your life. And you start noticing you're not near as cranky. Me, that's the last thing God's working on, I think. But anyways, you know what I'm saying? Um, you just start noticing there's a change. And you're like, how did this happen? You stepped out in faith and said, if God asked me to do it, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to sell out to it and I'm not going to try it for a day this is who I'm going to be and then when you do what the gospel calls for which is walk by faith not by sight walk by faith not by sense that's when it makes sense and that's why it's so frustrating it's because we want God to shortcut the walk by faith part so it can make sense and he's just not going to do that he's not going to do that he's not going to do that guys if we'll go to the second quote actually um, uh, he won't sacrifice what's best for you to make it make sense to you he is not going to shortcut something for you so that it will make sense. That's just not the way he's built. He wants you to walk out the process and get to know him so that when you're slapping a watermelon, you know what that is. You know what I'm saying? Like you actually know what you're doing. He doesn't want you out there sweating, nervous, faking, <laughs> pretending. No, he, don't, you know, he, he wants you to have that relationship with him. And it starts by embracing the one who came. He said, I came to light this world up. He said, I came to do it. He's like, in those who will embrace me, in them, there'll be no darkness. He won't sacrifice what's best for you to make it make sense to you. We absolutely want it to make sense because it's easy for us to follow things that make sense. But if it made sense all of the time, then we'd also be limited to our own ability to figure things out. We'd also be limited to our own ability to navigate these waters called life. We would be limited because we would be limited to our own intellect. We'd be limited to our own IQ. And sometimes I think I'm way too smart, and I think I'm smarter than I am, and I get up there, but I'm limiting myself when I say, you know, God, this whole thing needs to make sense. No, it makes sense after we step out and we let it make faith. We do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. So when I get alone, and it doesn't mean that I make an adjustment today just because I feel the Holy Spirit leading me to where tomorrow I'm not eating lunch for the rest of my life. I'm fasting lunch and I'm going to pray for my whole lunch hour. That's not the adjustment we make. Because that adjustment's going to leave us hungry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like That adjustment's going to leave you frustrated because you wouldn't be able to pull it off. But it does mean that you say, okay, God, it's a walk of faith. So now me having a personal relationship with you means there's another step in front of me. 
So then you get oftentimes to choose what that step is, and then God just backs it up. You get to choose if, okay, I'm going to read a chapter a day. And I'm reading a chapter a day, and the ones that I don't even understand, I'll get a different translation. And if I don't understand that, I'll get a different translation. If I don't understand that, I'll, have, I'll spark a conversation. I'll send out a text message. I'll, I'll, I'll get some stuff online that explains it to me. I'm committed to this thing, not until it makes sense, but because I know it's going to change me. It's going to make the adjustments I need made. I'm not going to keep doing the things that God has asked me to do and telling the person he wants me to be. Matter of fact, if you're taking notes, you could say it like this. It says that your being is more important than your doing. The person God wants you to be is more important than anything he's ever asked you to do. And if you are focused on doing good, because the gospel is clear about that, but let's again back it up. We should be more focused on the, our being, or in other words, who we are more than what we're out here doing. And I'm not trying to lower the value of what you do for Jesus, but I'm saying is you're going to run out of steam if you don't take time to embrace the light of the world on a personal level. What's some other ways you could do it? Music. Listen to a worship song once a day. And you're like, man, this sounds so simple. You're already thinking through reason again. No, no, it's supposed to be simple. A, a song a day, what's that going to adjust? What well, might turn to two songs a day? It might turn, and you might hear something in that song. And once you've yielded your heart and opened your heart up to the presence of God by yourself, and it doesn't mean that you feel him. It doesn't mean that he opens your car door and he speaks something into you. No, it's just a practice that you get going, not just a healthy practice, but a healthy spiritual practice when you focus on embracing the light of the world, and you're different and you're better for it. And when you look back, and it makes sense later, but right now it makes faith. So you could pray, you could study, you could go to brick groups, you can have conversations with people, you can ask um, questions, you can, you, you can, again, meditate on the Word of God. There's so many things that you can do that might not seem like they're making a difference right now. Might not seem like they're making a difference right now. But here's the deal. Um, the goal of this church is not to make you a mile wide where you do all these things for the church and you're only an inch deep. We would rather you be an inch wide and a mile deep, meaning you're getting this much fulfillment out of the little bit that you do do. You're getting this much fulfillment about the commitments that you do have. You're getting this much fulfillment about the dedication that you have. Like You're getting this much out of what you're doing, and eventually that inch will spread out. But our goal is not to just get you serving so much to where you're not getting fulfillment out of those things. And the way you get fulfillment out of the things you do is not because someone on staff comes around and pats you on the back or says, man, you really did a good job. The way you get fulfillment about the things you do is that you embrace the light of the world, and in your private time, he affirms you, and he confirms you, and you recognize that you are beloved, and that he does love you. And that's weird for me because the first like 10 sermons I heard about how God loved me, it was hard for me to grab a hold of it. I don't know if it's because I'm a man or because I'm wired like this, but it was tough to get a hold of it. Well, you got to get a hold of the fact that you are beloved and he loves you like you are. And everything going on in you that says something different has to be inferior to his truth. Like all your own opinions have to be inferior to what he is already said and God isn't asking us to lay our opinions down and he's not asking us to not have them and he's not asking us to not be the way that he has built us but the filter that we run them through is is that if I feel any kind of way about anything I need to make sure I'm lined up with how he feels about it first and with as loud as my inner critic is and as loud as my insecurities are often at times I've got to make sure that I check those things by knowing that he said that I am loved he said that I am redeemed he said that I am whole. And the way I do that is just not a Sunday check-in. The way that I do that is a daily embracing the light of the world. And I re-remind myself of the opinions that God has about me. And then when I do that, then when I do that, going out 
and being the light. You can't hide it. You can't hide it. Because you have done something that's very vital. And we actually practiced it last week. You have learned to rest in the truth of what God has said about you. Or you can say this, we have learned to rest in God. And people would say that all the time, like, rest in God, rest in God. I'm like, how do you even do that? Because, like, it's not like he's just a big blanket that I can put on top of me. And I would love to rest in God. I would love to rest in and Jesus, you know, I mean, what do you climb up in his lap? What do you feel? I don't know. what. How, how, how do you do that? Again, I mean, look, like, how do you rest in God? The way that you rest in God is not that Jesus just said, hey, um, come, come take a nap. Naps are good. I, I've, I've took one before. But I'm saying that's not the way that works. The way that works is, <laughs> the way that works is that you trust what he said until you see that it's true. And then when you see that it's true, right, it produces a peace in you. If you want an algorithm, here it is. Step out in faith in a small area. Trust God. Trust him until you see it come to pass. Then look back and see how much better you are in the process of him proving it to you. And you're like, man, I really just wanted him to make this happen. And he's like, I'm going to make that happen, but I'm going to make something better happen while making that happen. I'm going to shift and change you. And when one thing's happened, notice that you're better for it. Then trust him somewhere else. Then watch him walk this thing out. And when you get to where you're waiting for it to happen, you may even look back and it hadn't happened yet. And you're still glad you trusted him because you're better for stepping out and trusting him. And that's how it works. And then that's how works and that's how it works and that's how it works and then you are more like him and the light will just beam out of you the reason people aren't just banging the doors down at churches is because when they look at our lives there is no um discrepancy like they're like so those people hmm they give up sunday morning They have 10% less money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know about that. <laughs> Somebody got them fooled. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, they, 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 don't, they don't really enjoy all of my vices. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and they're processing all of these things. When you embrace light, people want to get in the pool. They want to get in the pool because it just comes out of you. When you spend time with God, your effort, is not into changing your behavior. Your effort should be focused on spending time with Jesus. You don't change you. He changes you. And you give him time to change you. And you look back and you're like, you know what? He was smarter than me the whole time. The whole time. I waited this long to do it. But he was smarter day one. I waited this long to try it, and he was smarter day one because the whole thing was always for me. How do we get that change to happen? We just narrow in our focus. We dial it in. We dial it in. Matter of fact, there's a scripture um, uh, that we're going to put on the screen that I want to share with you. Matthew 6, 22. It says, The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. This is in the Passion Translation. Guys, let's leave it on the screen. But in the King James, and uh, King James is thine and thee and a lot of things like that, and you need an interpretation to read it sometimes. But there's something in this verse that I really like. Um, It says, if your eye is singular focused, meaning if you are singular focused, then we can read the rest, is that your heart will become unclouded and then light floods in. Doesn't mean that you don't have other things going on in your life. Come on, guys. We've got other things going on 
in our lives. We've got jobs, we've got family, we've got bills, we've got hobbies. Nothing wrong with those things. Like, we've got those things going on in our life, right? I mean, do y'all have those things going on, or you just come to church and then you hermit until next Sunday? No, you've got things going on in your life, and it's good that you do. And God's good with those things. But the ask is that there be one thing at the top of the list. The ask is there be one thing we desire more than every other thing. And that is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that desire for him to be number one gets fed by the decision to make him number one. And then time spent with him, and you start, ooh, there's something special about this. And then time spent with him, and oh, I'm, I'm different because of this. And then time spent with him, I'm better because of this. And time spent with him, my anxiety is coming down. Time spent with him, my insecurities aren't so loud when I walk in a room. Time spent with him. And why are those things changing? Because the more time you spend with him, you can't help but recognize that he loves you. You are loved by him. You are mesmerizing in his eyes. And you don't get that just because we communicate it from the stage. You get that because you go home and you find it out by time spent with him. You embrace the light of the world. And if it's in five minute increments or 30 second increments, whatever it is, you carve out space and you find out that he is what he said he is. And we want you to know that on a personal level so you're not in a garden that you've never been in before, slapping watermelons that you've never looked at before, trying to figure out if they're ripe or not ripe. No, you're walking in truth that you have hashed out for yourself and now it makes sense because you found out that God is who he says he is and you are better for it you hashed it out on your own you took it you owned it you processed it and you found out that he really is what he says he is there's a story in the gospels about a man and he goes by a field and he goes by this field and he's like man hmm, it's an all right field and then he looks and the scripture says he sees a jewel in that field. And this guy's a merchant. He buys fields. He's a merchant. And he sees the jewel in the, jewel in the field. And he knows that he can't go get the jewel unless he buys the whole field. And he's processing the value of the jewel. And they overprice the field to him when he goes to buy it. He says, this field is worth X amount of acre. And the merchant who is a merchant, he's bought fields. He knows that the field is way, 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 way overpriced. Way overpriced. But he looks at the jewel one more time. And he said, I'll take it. And the parable Jesus is talking about is really clear. Is that the field is the world, and we are the jewel. And the price is the life of his son Jesus. And what I want you to know is, is that you are mesmerizing to that merchant. You are mesmerizing to him. I'm not encouraging you to go spend time with somebody that hasn't made their mind up about you already. I'm trying to encourage you to go spend time with a Jesus that you are mesmerizing to. To go and run this play and find out that in whatever the time increment is, whatever it looks like, find out something that works for you. Ask questions about some things that might work for you. Whatever that is. But go do this thing. Embrace the light of the world. And I think what you're going to find out is that light will light up the darkness in a way that you've never seen before. I think the truth that you will find out, I know the truth that you're going to find out, is the same truth that that woman that was caught in adultery found out. Full of guilt, full of shame, nothing but darkness around. And then Jesus steps in and he lights up the darkness. Here's what I want you to know. 
is that right now in this moment, all of those stones you feel, none of them came from him. All of those things you've been dodging in life, all the things you've been avoiding because your decisions caused them, all the decisions you made because you can't lift your head up because the shame that you might feel from past decisions or even what was done to you, the guilt that you hold and may even riddle you, or maybe even the face that you put on that thinks, I'm not guilty, I would never be like, like in the in the, the insecurity that must have drove you to become that arrogant. And all of those things that you feel, none of those things came from him. And when Jesus hits the scene, he wants to ask you the same thing he asked that lady. Where are your accusers? Because when you embrace the light of the world, in you there is no darkness. Why do we spend personal time with Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Why do we spend time with Jesus? Because he's driving those things out of our life when we do. We're not checking a church box. We're not just taking the opinion or advice of a preacher. We're going and spending time with our Creator, and He is fixing the things that ail us. He's fixing the ways that we are broken, and He's doing that through time spent with Him, time spent in His presence, and He's, he's making us better, and the peace of God comes into those scenarios, and then you're just different in what mattered before just doesn't matter anymore and you're able to say no to things that used to riddle you because you just don't need them anymore you break addictions because you don't need it anymore you break pornography because you don't need it anymore you break off pride because you don't need it anymore and you run away and turn your head from guilt although you feel like you deserve it because you don't feel like you deserve it anymore and you make decisions you didn't make because you don't need to make those decisions anymore because you spent time with the merchant and when you spent time with him you found out that you were mesmerizing to him. You were mesmerizing to him. You were deeply loved, deeply chosen, deeply plucked and picked. He knew you before the earth was formed. He knew we had to do to get you, and he was willing to pay the price from day one, and he didn't stop halfway through, but he died on the cross, bled the blood, cried the tears, lived the life, and then he didn't stop in the grave, but then he came back up because he knew it didn't do any good just to forgive you of your sins. If you were forgiven, but not any better after you were forgiven, he was resurrected up out of hell, and then he sent the Holy Spirit down to earth to equip you to live this life but he didn't come down here just to get you to do something he came down here to get you to be something and you are mesmerizing today you are not you are not just a human wrapped in flesh but you are chosen of God on high and he wants to do something in you and for you before he ever wants you to do something for him he wants to hold you up and I feel like a range of emotions of all the things that riddle me all at once and then I just I, I just feel him just taking them and ridding me of them. And when they come up, I don't feel them as strong because I feel something else stronger. And I don't get to feel something else stronger just because I come on Sunday. I feel something else stronger because it's a part of my life. I embraced light. And I held on to it. How do you do that? Your eye is single. Your eye is single. Your heart gets unclouded. And then light comes in. When? I don't know. When does it shift? I don't know. We don't need that at this point. I know we want it. But just step out in faith. Trust him with it. Do our part. Embrace light. And then find out for yourself that you are mesmerizing to the merchant. Will you bow your heads today? 
We're so glad you joined us for today's message. Our prayer is that God got the message you needed most today. If you're still here joining us and you're looking for an opportunity to connect to the Brick Church through giving, you can do that by texting the word BRICK to 45888. That's the word BRICK to 45888. The first time you do that, it's going to send you a link, give you the opportunity to connect that number to a credit card, debit card, or bank account. And as you connect with us and we partner together to reach people, we pray that God blesses you in your giving.